Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Part of the spirit of the Say It Skillfully podcast is this. You can't help someone you don't know. You can't know someone without hearing their story, and you won't hear their story if you don't ask. My guest today is someone I've, quote, known for six years, yet a chance encounter literally in my building where he jumped in to help the building superintendent install my new washing machine has made all the difference. He is currently a real estate portfolio asset manager and agent for River to River Realty. Since 2015, he's come up the learning curve to now manage, rent, sell, and maintain multi-million dollar residential and commercial assets for this luxury New York City real estate company. And I must say, he looks the part. What I realized only recently is that I had zero appreciation that being in the role he's in was hardly even conceivable when he grew up. And I'll let him share with you his journey which captures the spirit of the American dream for immigrants, and in many cases, miraculously making their way to the United States and then doing whatever it takes to make it. And I am in sheer awe of my guest today. A very warm welcome to my friend, Jason Castaño. Jason, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I've, uh, I, for me, it's an honor and a pleasure to have someone like yourself want to hear my story and Allow me to share it on your platform where you've had many successful and high profile people be on it. So it's uh, very grateful and motivating to, to be on the show. Well, know that you inspire and you inspire me in a big way. And I'm just um, marveling that you're really willing to step into a role. Um, and that the only reason we're here is because I kind of innocently was curious and just asked, a little bit about your background. And then you were just willing to share and be a little vulnerable about that. And then I was like, what? And that's how this got going. And so, you know, you're just the brightest light ever. And I'm really grateful. Um, and I want listeners to know that, you know, everyone's journey um, can be a, a learning and inspiration to others. So listen, um, you take listeners through the story. I, I say where, Share what it was like to grow up, uh, the ups and downs, twists and turns. And what's uh, yeah? Sure. So I've uh, I come from very humble beginnings. Uh, my my parents were immigrants from Colombia. They did the whole. They took a plane to from Colombia to Mexico, and then Mexico they swam over the river with my sister. They got into Mexico, took a plane from there to California, California to New York, where they started their life. Um, so I missed all that. I was actually born here states though but um, i do come from very hard-working parents that left their country just to find a better life you know unfortunately some of our countries don't offer the kind of opportunity that let's say the states so you see in the news all these people coming here it's because they're just looking for an opportunity to live a better life uh, my mom started off as a maid cleaning apartments. My dad was washing dishes. He told me for like three dollars an hour, you know, just doing whatever they can to make ends meet, just to pay the rent. Um, 
eventually I was born and then my brother was born and we all lived in a, we lived in a two bedroom in Astoria and my sister, brother and I, we lived in one of the bedrooms. I had a pull out, had a pull out bed for majority of my life. But I have to say, I, I don't have such a sad story. I've had a very, very happy childhood, even though we weren't wealthy or anything and nothing lavish. I can't say anything really bad. I had, I've always had everything I needed. My parents worked very hard, sacrificed their life really to just give us the opportunity to be where I'm at now. Christmas always had gifts. Thanksgiving, we always had like family get togethers. Um, you know, we did always fights, you know, mostly over, over money, you know, things like that. But um, I, I had a very loving upbringing and a lot of friends growing up on the weekends, we'd play in the streets, cops and robbers, jumping over fences, football, getting into trouble. Um, never did anything bad. Always surrounded myself with positive kids, uh, played video games together. So, but I always saw my parents working extremely hard. You know, my mom and dad, my sister would be the one that took care of us mostly. She's a little older. She took care of us when my mom and dad worked till late hours into the night. I was always really, really great for that. And I've always had this drive and desire to, to make just make them proud. You know, I saw their sacrifices and I'm lucky to have had really good role models like my sister, my dad. So that, that really drove me to um, be someone, advance the family name. That's really what drives me. I want take the family name and elevate so that hopefully one day my kids or if I have kids one day hopefully they can elevate that to even other levels so that's that's really what, what drives me just to just to progress um and uh kind of give back in this beginning now it was my family now to give back to the people that gave me opportunity to be where I'm at right now so I'm always a really giving person. I've, I've got, I've received more in life by giving than, than receiving. And that, that for me is, uh, I still, I still do that to this day. Yeah. Jason, um, do you remember, you know, cause I could imagine parents, you don't want to traumatize your kids with quote unquote, how hard it is at the same time, you want to have them appreciate the background. So do you remember first hearing about the stories of literally the plains and the crossing the river? I mean, I'm just wondering what that was like. Yeah, they saved up all their life savings. They they gave it to a person that they didn't know, but this person knew the routes to get into the States. So you literally had to trust someone you didn't know with all your money to trust that he'll take you into the States. So, so I, they had to literally at night, Cross into knee deep high rivers and swim across. So it's 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 a real it's a real thing that people still do to this day. A little bit it was a little bit easier back then. Now there's a lot more you know restrictions, fences, and I guess technology. But um, not everyone in their family took that risk. They a lot of people live a comfortable life in their home country. They're able to just survive. But my parents they wanted a little bit. And I still have a lot of family in Colombia that didn't, didn't take that risk or a chance to be here. 
So um, if they didn't take that chance to risk, I'd probably never meet you. Never met you or be in Colombia right now. I'd probably look you that or something. So. Yeah. Talk about uh, fitting in as a kid. I love cops and robbers. I haven't heard cops and robbers as a term in forever. So just talk about going to school. So uh, in my little area neighborhood, I had so many friends. It was great. But when I went to school, it was a little different. I was going to school with kids that weren't in my area. It was a little rougher for me. I went to school next to Queensbridge, which is the Queensbridge Housing Projects. Where Nas went. Um, I got to meet Nas later on in life. Um, it was just a first time in my life where I experienced um, altercations, mostly because of how I looked, maybe how I dressed. Um, not really, uh, I guess, being fitting in or anything. So that it led to a lot of uh, attempts at bullying. Um, and I was always one that I just didn't allow myself to do that. So it led to a lot of. Uh, I, I would say fights and everything. I never look for fights or I'm, I'm very non-competitional though, but um, in real life, there will be people that don't like you for who you are and share who you with. So that's that at the beginning was, and it happened all the time though, but that's that's something that I was, when I went to school with different people that I, uh, I experienced. Later on, I kind of grew, grew out of that. Um, but it, it led me to, take action. So I actually started doing um, martial arts later on in life. I, I was always, I never felt sorry for myself. Yeah, I got picked on, Sarah, but I, I never like, I never, I'm not one to like feel sad or sorry for myself. So I always took action. So I would like start working out at a young age at like 10, 11, 12, doing push-ups, sit-ups from, you know, what I saw on TV or these action heroes. Um, I eventually started to karate, and my parents put me in karate. Uh, so I, I was one that always took action with that. Um, and it gave me some confidence later on in life. Um, and then I eventually took it more serious, and I joined like a actual MMA team, the Rhino Fight Team in Astoria, uh, where I was training with actual professional fighters. I would get beat up every day, but I'd be learning. Eventually, it'd get harder. And I think that gave me a little bit of more confidence to where I am now as far as my going on in the future. So this fight team is really fascinating, training with professionals. But just say a bit more about what, what you what you got out of that or what I mean, I just would think also some very um practical skills. Yeah, so the reason I took it is because I, I have I lack a lot of self confidence. I was a very insecure kid growing up. I was you know skinny, etc. And I just wanted to change that. I wanted to feel more confident, stronger, have more ability to defend myself. Um, so I joined this team after after high school, um, and I was training with professional fighters. I. I, I would lose every time. Like these are these are professional fighters that I, I just wanted to learn from. So would just be I would do a lot of things for them to teach me. Like I would get them water, I would, you know, do their laundry. They didn't have to help me though, but I, I did more to learn. I wanted to just learn from them. So that they eventually took me under their wing and they made me a part of like their 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 training camp sparring. So I, I learned a lot of skills to defend myself and 
Um, it just brought a lot of confidence out of me. Uh, but I, I took action. I didn't I didn't feel sorry for myself or anything like that. I just uh, everything I do, I, I, I try to do something to change the way I feel. Was that just built in? Did you see that in your parents, Jason? Because that's I mean, I, you know, I could imagine skinny kid, you know, different ethnic background, not really fitting in. It could be easy to just kind of go away and not step into how could I change this? And do, what do you attribute your, you know, intensity in doing that? I think I was just born with it. Even talk, you know, even when I was like getting bullied by bigger kids, I didn't have that fear. Like I'm, I'm going to get beat up fine, but I'm not going to beat up myself. That eventually, that eventually, um, Having all these altercations in middle school, they recommended I go join a military program in high school. So in high school, at Long Island City, uh, LIC was a high school. There was a new program they started called JROTC. It was called uh, Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. So it's a military program that kind of prepares kids if the chance if they want to go into the military afterwards. So I. Uh, that program actually changed my life a lot. It kind of gave me the foundation and the structure uh, that helped me for business later on. I was a kind of lost child going into this program. And the first person I meet who's the commander is Roy W. Evans, who's a retired major with combat experience. I'm pretty sure he's killed some people. Very towering figure, six foot five, six foot six. Um, this is the first time where I, I I kind of felt like, wow, this is someone that commands attention, commands respect and that, that, that I would like to learn from. Um, and in this program, they had a military special team called the Raider team. And this Raider team was a team that represented the school in competitions. Out of the 300 kids in the program, the eight strongest kids get to be in this team. So that was the first time where I wanted to really be a part of something. And I I, uh, I worked very hard to be a member of that team. So I saw myself waking up at 5 a.m., going on runs, uh, working out even more than usual than I did before, um, learning everything that the program needed me to learn so that when it came time for tryouts, I, I wanted to be one of those eight members. So it's the first time I really wanted, wanted something. And the special thing about it is that when everyone's wearing class A uniforms, which are the uniforms that the nice, pretty, dressed up ones, those eight Raider team members get to wear um, the camouflage ones. So you really stand out. First time I felt, you know, some type of status, respect, like you're, they know you, you know, one of the eight members in the entire program. So it was something I, 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 I looked forward to. Um, and I worked hard for, and also that it could be taken away because there was tryouts every single month. So you didn't keep up to a certain standard of someone there right behind you that's willing to take that uniform from you. So it was, uh, that's kind of the, the kind of the, where I got that intensity to continue to work for everything you have because it's, it's could be taken away. It's like, you owe, you owe rent every day. So that with that, then going into the, the, the fight team, um, you know, I got a lot more confidence in myself and who I, who I was. 
That's so amazing to have the towering six and a half foot person change your life that way. Talk about the camaraderie. I mean, you're a very team player now in this top eight. Did that become a thing where people competing with each other? Just talk about your sense of team. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, I mean, at the end of the day, we're a team, but we were still competing with each other, but we were like best friends. And I had such, uh, I think it was one of the best times of my life as far as I had, I was in high school, I had no bills. Mm-hmm. Every day I was going to be a part of this team where I had fun, I competed, um, you know, we were respected, we went on, we went on different trips, it was eight of us, we became very, very, very close friends. I still, I still speak to maybe one or two right now that I consider like really, really close friends, but um end of the day we compete we still competed against each other because we had different rankings it was like first second third fourth so we all try to be first <laughs> um you know but at the end of the day when it came to compete i was very happy that the guy next to me was on my team you know we ended up always winning competitions um but the training we had from major evans one of the competitions was a two-mile run major evans would take us to Scranton, Pennsylvania, where you have nothing but hills and inclines, with and we'd have to run maybe 20 miles with combat boots, with steel tips, canteens with water that he doesn't let us drink. Um, our le- I, we got so strong. What I it was, I was shocked me one time. It was 11 o'clock till midnight. He tells everyone to get out the car, and okay, so it's pitch black. You can't see anything. He's like, now you're gonna run back home. And the cars and the so he's behind us with the car. He's like, if I get close to you, I'm gonna hit you with the car. <laughs> so it's that type of training. It's like, oh man, this is crazy. This is like intense. But the fact that I was with my, like, I would say my brothers, that eight strong team, like we we kind of fed off each other and we didn't let. So if someone was straggling, a stronger one would come back and pick them up and try to help them get up because Major Evans and that he would hit you with that car. So. Um, and then when it came time to run two miles in comfortable sneakers, it was just running laps over everyone. So I think the harder you train, the better you do in uh in the actual competition or test out there. But that 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 program really helped me a lot, gave me structure, um, led to the kind of haircut I have now. I usually had long hair coming back, but now with 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 that, it's you know, I I have to thank that program a lot. So me taking the if I didn't get you know, into these altercations in middle school, I would have never joined this program. I would have never got the benefits of it. So sometimes struggles and challenges lead you to to even better opportunities. Oh, for sure. For sure. So was the idea that the folks in the program go into the military? Talk about what the pathing was. It wasn't their mission. Like they never pushed it on us. It was just, you know, this is, you want a taste of what the military offers um i i got a, a lot of scouts a lot of recruiters that came from different branches it was uh, army rotc but we have marines come army come and I, I met some really cool people i met some green berets i met some seals so with the intention of course to get you eventually in uh, but they also offer scholarships um if you st john's offered me a, a scholarship for rotc uh, if I do four years there, I go in as as the second lieutenant into the army. So there's there's a lot of uh, programs that you can use to to pay for school or do other stuff. So that that was what the program really did. But it just gave you 
structure. It taught you respect, um, gave you character, made you feel confident about yourself so that it was direction. It gave me direction. Yeah. So share with folks how you then made the decisions that you did. So high school was great, right? You know, I was I was known, respected, etc. You know, all the girls knew me, liked me. I was one of the few, you know, eight team members. But reality hits. High school finished. That's it. I'm I'm in the real world now. No one knows me. No one no one knows any of my background. I'm just a, another person in college, right? Community college. I went to community college because I couldn't afford an actual college. Um, I didn't do well the first year. I, you know, I don't know if I got sad, but it's like from all the, you know, the structure I had in high school, the camaraderie, everything I didn't have in college. So my grades slacked. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm lost. I'm failing classes. I'm paying for this. Like, what do I, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Um, so I was like, what do I like to do? I like fitness. Um, hey, let me see what I can do with fitness. So I studied to become a personal trainer. Took a course. I became a personal trainer. And then, you know, I really like this. I want to work with athletes. I love sports. I love athletics. Um, so then I applied to get into a master's, pro, uh, a bachelor slash master's program in LIU Brooklyn. And um, they interviewed me because they only take like five, six students. They interviewed me. They like my background with the, the JROTC was great on resumes and they accepted me. So I was a personal trainer, training clients um, at 21 years old, 19, 20, 21 years old, training people that were much older than me because I had the uh, the background with the military program that I was able to kind of all the people. And, and I was going to school at the same time, learning about sports medicine and working with athletes, interning as well. So I had a busy busy schedule. Um, but when I became a personal trainer, I, I really wanted to, I closed my eyes and I said, where do I want to take this? I'm like, I, I want to be the best that I can. Close my eyes. I'm like, I'm going to, I see myself traveling with celebrities, hiring clients. Uh, you know, I see myself working with really successful people, um, learning everything I can. You know, this is my vision that I had when I became a trainer. So, I could have picked the gym in Queens where I live five minutes away, but I decided to place myself in the city. I, I feel like the city, you meet, you meet, you get the best opportunities, meet the best people because everyone, Manhattan to me was like, wow, you know, Manhattan was, and that's the cream of the crop. That's where the elites are for me. So that's, that's where I wanted to be. So I would commute an hour, hour and a half from Queens take multiple trains to get to my gym at uh, New York Sports Club is where I started, 49th and Broadway, the Crown Plaza Hotel. When I had many New York Sports Clubs, 10 minutes from my house, but I'm like, man, I need to be where best are at. So I, uh, yeah, I started, I started, I was, you know, I was young, but I was confident in my ability. And some people gave me an opportunity and that led me to more opportunities and, um, you know, it just it just grew from there as far as their, the people I've met through training um, led me to where I am now. Very lucky. I've got to meet some clientele, celebrities where I've traveled the world. I've been I've been on 
multiple private jets, you know, different net, different type of clientele net worth. Um, you know, I've traveled to Israel, I've traveled to uh, Switzerland, London, you know, just for, to train people. Uh, Italy, yeah, so it's, it's, I've had a very, very um, nice trajectory in what I wanted to do. I got to work with uh, Jay Farrell, I think it's into the article, you know, I uh, flew me out to L.A., to train on set while he was shooting uh, a series. So here I am on set with him, with like the entire crew looking at us working out. So it was like, it was very, it was very cool. Um, and then the New York Times wanted to do an article on him because he really changed his body um, with, you know, with our training. And so the New York Times rented out an entire gym for us and did an article on us, which I thought was very cool. So it's, uh, you know, little, Little little victories here and there that I see that again keeps me motivated and going from there. And then I it just with the other type of clients I have, um, I learned I've learned so much from them as well. And one of them being my my current boss now. I started with him at the gym and eventually led to working working for him. And then kind of leaving that field behind and starting a new field where um doing a little bit more of what I, what I want. You know, it's just, it is remarkable. And for, you know, just at face value, you're just a very approachable, kind, open, that's your spirit. Your energy is not full of myself at all. Very grounded. Um, there's a caringness that comes about when you're working with clients. And I'm, I'm curious about personal training because there's the actual training techniques and assessing and helping someone. But I would imagine that a serious percentage of it is just the connection, the building of trust, the communication. So just talk about, you know, when you first start out, those things maybe aren't as obvious. Just how your own, if you if you think back to the early Jason trainer, right, to the ultimate, just the growth path. So I'm very grateful when someone wants to work with me. You know, someone's health is very important to them, very precious to them. If someone wants to put that responsibility in your hands, I, I take it I take it very seriously. So that develops a kind of trust. You know, now that I've jumped forward into real estate, same thing. When someone gives you the opportunity to help them find their home or help them sell their home, you know, they're giving you a very, very, very important asset of their life. So it's someone's health, someone's home. It's, you have to, you have to respect that opportunity and do your best with it because it means, it means a lot to them. So when I, when I was a trainer, I spent many years educating myself. I got a master's degree in sports medicine. I interned with physical therapists. I interned with sports teams so that I can be the best that I can for my client or for my athlete. When I switched over to real estate, I, I shadowed the best, the best staff, the best, the best uh, agents. I shadowed them. I learned from them so that when I get an opportunity to work with someone, you know, I, I take, I take care of them. And I think people feel that and they refer me other business or they become repeat customers or, you know, develop relationships from there. But, the caring part is the most important, knowing that you're capable of taking that responsibility. And once someone feels that, then they'll start giving you a lot more trust. And once you have someone's trust, 
I think it's it's your it's my responsibility to never never break it. Do something that might sway and rank and trust. So that's that's kind of how I operate when it comes to when I had clients from different networks, celebrities to real estate clients looking for studios or selling multi million dollar penthouses. It's I, I treat them all with that same care. Even the tenants that I work with now, it's just I, I treat them and they feel that and, and they like that about me. So that's, that's what I think. Yeah, that's very um, impressive for for young younger person to be able to really stay true to your values because it can, you know, when you're in the high life, it can you can see it get away from people, right? You start to really don't maybe forget where you came from, forget your roots, um, and it can sometimes get a little out of whack. Did that was there ever? Did you ever feel that, or were you just always so able to be me, even though I'm like whipping around in some you know, private jet in some faraway country? Um, no, it never got to me. I, I was just grateful for the opportunity because I, I didn't come from any of that. So I knew I knew my I knew my role. Like I never did anything to overstep my what people put me in. You know, I never I never did that. So if it's uh uh and it was always a, a gratefulness and being respectful to whatever situation where they're putting me on a private jet or introducing me to celebrities or anything like that. I always, I always remember um, just to show that kind of respect and never do anything that's to not give that person another chance to give me that opportunity. So that's kind of what never, never got, never got to me. Even when I yeah, very mature, like very insanely mature. Talk, I, we always talk, and I appreciate the struggles are what define us and create opportunity when we can move beyond them. What are some of the mistakes? Do you can you recall whether it was in training or here in real estate? Because I think it, it would make it real, and I'm sure there's many, but a few that come to mind. Mistakes, um, yeah, <sighs> Mistakes, mistakes. I, I think no one's perfect, right? No one's perfect. I made a mistake yesterday, right? So it's just, uh, I think no one's really perfect. But no, I don't think I made any mistakes that I wish I, I didn't make. It led me to where I'm at now, right? So you learn from your mistakes, you grow from them. Um, you know, I've I've had, we may have bad judgments before, but as, as I got older, I... I've learned not to make those mistakes again or, or minimize it as much as possible. Um, so, you yeah, know, as far as mistakes, I, I don't, there's, I don't, I don't think I could single out any that I would, I would take back or regrets. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I have any. Yeah. I think that's a really great point you're bringing out folks and that mistakes are normal and you're going to make them. And that that's just, that's part of growing. Cause if you're not making any mistakes, you know, you're not really leaning into the growth part. If we're playing it so safe, and the ability to, hey, you know, learn something, try to make new mistakes, right? And and be better for the past ones. And also to not, I see people sometimes make mistakes and it's important to learn from them, but then they use them as boat anchors and they never let it go. And they're like, I'm like, wait, you're not a bad person. Yes, you, it was a mess up. It's okay, right? No one died. It's okay. And we move forward. And I think that's a real maturity, um, particularly I think for young people, sometimes that can get a little overwhelmed. I see sometimes kids feel like they got to be really like perfect all the time, which of course no one is, but they think that people are, and that can create a lot of stress, a lot of stress. 
Yeah, I've uh, because I had such a happy life growing up. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what betrayal felt like. I didn't know what being lied to felt like, cheated on felt like. I didn't know um, that there are people out there with alternate intentions for you or face value show they like you, but they don't. So that, in my earlier part, I had a challenge dealing with that on a personal level um, because I, I would never do something like that. So it was like... Um, it affected me. It affected me mentally. You know, the the more trust you give someone, and then when they get that happen, it's uh, it makes you really question a lot of things. Um, so I, I think uh, a lot of times people give you feelings that you don't know how to deal with, and being emotionally strong to overcome it and then continue to move on is something that I don't think anyone can teach you. You just have to deal with it yourself. So. Um, yeah, so what how I see it now is just battle scars. Someone lied to me, okay, it's fine. Someone, you know, cheated on me or betrayed me or deceived me or you know, it's it's just it's it's part of life. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen to you. It might have already happened to you, but I would dwell on it before, but now it's like, okay, it is now you know, now you move on. So you just you wanna wake up and be happy with the person you see in the mirror. We can lie on social media. We can lie to our friends. We're doing great, but we cannot lie to that person in the mirror. So if you continue to be happy and with the person you see in the mirror, I, I think you're winning. You're winning in life, um, whether you make some mistakes or not, or invite the wrong people into your life, or you know, not being where you are at the moment. Um, I'm at a place now. I'm really happy with. Person I see in the mirror it took me many years to get here. I'm much a little bit older now, but for many years I wasn't. But I always knew that one day I would be. So if you just continue to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I might not be as happy today, but you know, there will be a day where you will be happy with that, and you will go out and and continue to do what you want to do or get to the point with when you want to get to so it's like you have to create your life you have to i couldn't i couldn't control where my parents came from and i can't but 99 percent of the things i think you can control your your work ethic how you treat people you know how you um how you act at work how you perform um so try to try to control as much as you can the things you can there may be one percent out there like if you get know disease or something you can't control that a car jumps the curve you can't control that but you should try to be the best version of yourself as possible like if you're overweight you know just get out of it get into shape you know if you're sad okay be say you're sad and just try to make yourself change get action to change yourself so I just that was always my mentality so you no one cares about you if people say they care about you, no one at the end of the day, maybe your family or your mom and dad might think about you before they go to sleep. But other than that, it's you're you're by yourself. It's, it's a cold world. And you have to believe in yourself and fight for yourself. Every day is a fight. You wake up, it's it's a fight. There's especially in New York City, it's the most competitive city in the world, I believe. There's always people looking to take your position, um, you know, compete against you, pull you down, say things to you, but you just have to 
you know, chest. What I say, I like to say a lot, chest up, shoulders back all the time. <laughs> I love it. Chest up, shoulders back. Winning in life is when you wake up and happy with the person you see in the mirror. So this is just like wisdom I'd expect from like a 70-year-old person, not uh, someone in their prime <laughs> youth there. Jason, talk about your siblings. You know, your, your sister did such a great job to really help raise you and your brother. But what's your relationship with your siblings like now? Amazing. I very amazing. I, I, the little time I get, I want to see them. That's that's the most important thing for me in life right now. It's just, you know, your most, your most precious asset that you have is time, right? Yes, majority of it goes to work, you know, taking care of yourself, but that remains in time is like you, you have to spend it with people that that you love because one day they're they're not going to be here i always look forward to seeing my family seeing close friends spending time with my dog you know that that to me i have him for maybe 10 12 15 years so you know it's going to come the day where he's not here so it's just people think they have time but we're getting older time's running out memories is what you have you know, so you want to create the life you want so you can have memories you want. But no, my sister was a, was a hard worker. Um, I saw her, you know, progress in life as well. First one to go to college, um, became a branch manager at a bank. Now she she's in uh, private banking. Um, she met an amazing partner, my brother-in-law, Fernando. Now they live in a mansion in Manhasset with two beautiful kids that are my nephews. Like, you know, they... I, I had I had really good role models growing up. Um, as far as siblings, yeah, they're great. My brother, quick story. My brother, um, I wake up grateful every day because my brother shouldn't be here. Uh, many years ago, he got hit by a garbage truck, T-boned by a garbage truck, and I knew something was bad. I got a knock on my on the door. I know my brother went out that night with friends. I got a knock on the door. I look at the clock. Like 3 a.m. I'm like, that's not his knock. He doesn't knock like that. And he has keys. First thing, I have already get a bad feeling. I go to his room. He's not there. Uh, my heart starts racing. I walk to the door. I open the door. I see three of his friends there with like this sad face on. I'm like, and then, you know, he got hit by a garbage truck. He's in the hospital right now. I was able to control myself. My mom is emotionally unstable. I, I had to just, you know, I couldn't have, I had to focus. I, I told my mom, I was like, there's no time. Alex in the hospital. We gotta go. Call my sister, call my brother-in-law. We go to the hospital and, uh, yeah, he's ruptured intestines, broken pelvis. Um, you know, the doctor said he might not be, he might not make it. My little brother, yeah. Um, we see him get rolled out into the ICU. He's got tubes everywhere, bunch of medical staff on him. Wow. So I uh, stayed all night. You know, everyone else, you know, went back home, but I was like, I can't. My body would not let me leave the hospital. So I, I, I slept in the uh, waiting room, you know, with, you know, so it was, it was a very, I think the most stressful time in my life where 
um, you know, the thought of not having my brother in my life was very, very challenging. But I have to say that I didn't allow a kind of power of the mind is very interesting. I refused to accept it. I knew there was a possibility he might not make it, but I, I refused something. Like, no, he's gonna, he's gonna make it. He's going to make it. I refuse. I refuse to live my life without my brother. I refuse. I refuse. I don't know what's going to happen, how it has to happen, but he's going to. Little by little, started getting better and better. But he was in a coma for two weeks, chemically induced coma for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, so that, that uh, you know, so again, being grateful for the people you have and I know we get caught up in like our days and work and trying to progress and material stuff and how much we're waking, but things that are precious to you, you, you have to just try to make some time for it. Wow. Jason, you've been through so much, just physically pushing yourself, you know, just lifting yourself up by the bootstraps, almost losing your brother. And that's a lot. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that in life that you encounter that's hard? Like what is hard for you now, if anything? Hard? Um, I think it's hard if you don't, yeah, everything's hard. I mean, yeah, everyone's waking up at 4.30, 5 a.m. is hard to walk my dog, go to the gym, deal with work, deal with, you know, stress of closing deals, deal with like family health, everything's, it's going to be hard. It's, it's not, you just want to make yourself into a person that's able to deal with it. And I don't think if any, something comes easy, is not worth, it's not worth, I guess, pursuing. So it's, I understand it's going to be hard. Um, I would say to answer that question, I just want to exceed expectations, right? If someone gives me an opportunity I get more stressed not knowing. I get more stressed. I'm going to do it, but I want to exceed expectation. That's so that, you know, even working with yourself, you know, and you're the people you refer to me. I'm like, Molly is a very important person to our company. They gave me the opportunity to sell her place, you know, help her find a place, help her, help her niece out. Like it's, it's stressful. It was stressful for me. I didn't sleep those nights. I'm like, I have to perform. Luckily I performed to the point where, you know, everyone's happy and that's, that's satisfaction for me, but I'm, I get, I'm very stressed because I just want to exceed expectations. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Jason. And for someone who's, you know, such a focus on healthcare, this is a great opportunity. So you could stress is not necessarily a bad thing. The stressors can be an incentivizing force too, but talk about how do you keep, how do you balance your stress? So it doesn't get the better of you. So it doesn't harm your health. I mean, what are some of the things that you do? Um, I stay healthy. I eat very well. I, I go to the gym almost every day. I don't lift heavy every day, but, you know, I, I definitely, it's good for like, I guess, therapy and just um, keeping my body in a place where I'm happy with how I look and other people see that I have the discipline as well for it. Um, but stress, stress, I don't, I don't really believe in stress too much. I, as long as I attack it, stress shouldn't really either with things I can't control, you know, other things like, okay, I have a medical condition yet. Yeah, okay. You might not be able to control that or, um, 
you know, a physical. Yeah, but other than that, I, stress is it's part of the game. I don't really, I don't spend time on that. Oh, I'm stressed, or I have to work extra hours, or tired. Like I separate it. It's great. I'm like I have to perform. Yeah, that's great that you can put compartmentalize it. Uh, Jason, talk. You know, this is a say it skillfully show, so I'm curious. Uh, any tough conversations on your mind? Um, I would say I had one recently with my my mother. Um, you know, she's not the in the healthiest shape right now. Um, you know, a lot of years of taking medicine and doctor's appointments and surgeries, and you know, it's. Weeks ago, she passed out. <laughs> I was just myself, my nephew. My nephew had to witness that she passed. She was passing out. She was getting all these body aches. Um, couldn't control herself. He had to call. I had to call an ambulance. You know, ambulance came and wheeled my mom out and took her to the hospital. And uh, after that, luckily she got better. I had. Sat down and told her, I, I'm like, no one else told her the way I told her. I'm like, I'm like, mom, you're going to die. You don't have much time. You are not going to see my kids grow up. You're not going to see the nephews grow up. You are going to die. I'm telling you, someone that used to work in the field and that I see, like, you have maybe, I don't know how long, but I'm afraid you are started crying, my family all attacked me, but a week later, she didn't really, it didn't really hit her. A week later, one of her close friends dies uh, with the same condition she has. And that really like turned something in her. And now she's at the gym every day, sends me pictures, I'm in contact with her and now she thanked me for telling her the way it is because no one really no one really said it the way I said it. Doctors were like, oh, just take lose some weight, take some medication. Family's like, oh, you'll you'll be, you know, you'll, you know, just just work out a little bit more. I'm like, mom, you are. And I say it from a place of loving care. You know, if it's that if someone says something like that, the truth to you is because they care. And that's something that uh um Happy to see that she's making some some change. I would say that conversation was a little challenging. That takes a lot of courage, my friend, and for listeners out there. You know, you sometimes you have to just do what you think is right. You said with love and care, right? It comes from a good place. It may not be what someone wants to hear, but it may be something that they need to hear. Um, and to that, I think earlier point of no regrets, I think then you have no regrets in the sense that, you know, you've tried, we can't force people to do things they don't want, but hopefully we can help them see, um, the consequences of what they do and don't do in a way that helps them perhaps, um, get out of their own way when, when sometimes we block ourselves and the, with the folks we love the most, sometimes it can be the absolutely most, most painful thing. Um, you know, Jason, it's it kind of hard for me to just kind of process how far you've come and how how much you have way ahead of you. So just talk about some of your own dreams. You know, you mentioned as a young person closing your eyes and envisioning life as a physical trainer. You know, 
share some of the things you're thinking about in your future, whether it's imminent or distant. Yeah, so I, I love progression. I love growth. I love challenging myself. I feel like, you know, people stop doing that. They get going to like a place they don't want to be in as far as work, get comfortable. But I, I'm not like that. I'm always on you know, looking for the next next best thing. Um, no, I have to thank my my love for fitness and having the opportunity to meet certain people. And one of them um, is my, my boss right now. Um, he is the reason where I am right now as far as real estate. Um, I think uh, I was, I think everything happens for a reason and, uh, you know, some higher being put me in his path and he took me from, I would say being like boy, boy, I mean, I was mad, but boy, but like, it's really turning me into a businessman, turning me into uh, a salesperson turning me into um, someone that's more respected than what my previous profession gave me. So I, I, ha I have to really thank him for that because um, he didn't have to give me an opportunity. Someone at that level, you know, already had so many people working for him that must have saw something in me, and I'm just grateful that. He took the time to um, teach me the game to the point now where I am doing a lot of stuff for the company. Um, I'm also bringing in my own assets. You know, I'm not just, you know, I'm bringing in business into the company. And it's, it's like a way of saying, way of saying thank you, you know, like, you know, I'm bringing bringing business in, I'm doing performing well, I'm doing everyone's happy. Um, so again, it's like something that I have with my parents, I, in regards to, I want to make them proud and happy as well. Um, I have to thank my, my boss as well in regards to that, because he really uh, changed, changed my life to, for the better. Now, I'm a homeowner, you know, I'm working on my second apartment. I, so that helped me be happier with the person I am in the mirror. I, I'm dealing with high-profile people. I'm managing my own buildings. They they're about to acquire another one in Soho, and they want to you know have me run it as well. So it's it's um I don't need to thank you though, but by them giving me more opportunity shows that they're happy with the work I'm doing, um, and I just want to continue to um, do well. I'm just a pretty simple guy. I don't really need much. Um, but I'm happy where I'm at. Uh, I think more, I get to be an individual as well. I get to bring my own kind of experiences into the business to kind of do things, um, you know, the way to get them done my way for the, for the job done. I'm also giving word to my family. You know, now some family members work for me. I'm able to provide work for family. So it's, it's a, it's a very humbling experience, but it's, you know, I worked very, very hard. I I recently canceled my vacation to Japan that I planned for three months because I got a new work opportunity. So a lot of sacrifices that I've made, but I, you know, they they will pay off. You know, if they don't pay off initially or the next year or two, it'll it will eventually pay off. So just have to be patient and every day just again try to be a little a little happier with the person you are in the mirror, so that one day you really like you know. 
but all right, I'm, I'm good. Well, my mentor says, be happy now. And I'm telling you right now, Jason, you be happy now because you have earned it in spades. And I can see this amazing trajectory that you're on. Um, as we wrap, you know, I am curious, you've done a lot. Do you have a particularly proud accomplishment that comes to mind if you think about a, a most proud moment for yourself? Uh, I have to say when I bought my apartment. <laughs> say that because I did it. I did it myself. I live in one of the best cities in the world. I live in the Atelier, which is I think one of the most beautiful buildings in the city. We got the largest, one of the largest rooftops in the city. I walk down, I get coffee every morning. I have people open the door for me. You know, good evening, Mister Castano. You know, you got packages here. So it's it's I being a homeowner for me and. Being happy with where I live, um, it's for me one of my, as of now, greatest accomplishments. I walk into the lobby, it's 30, 40 foot white marble ceilings with exquisite artwork on the walls. It's, my dog has his own dog park in the building. I, it's just, I am very happy with, with the hard work I've done to be where I live right now. And uh, that's, that's a big thing. I wake up happy living here here um, my neighbors are amazing hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that for me I would say especially from where I came from um, I think that well I'm very proud of you my friend that is very moving and I can see it completely uh, Jason you know you share generously I know it's not something you do all the time so just let us know what was it like for you to share your journey with us today I've never done it before um, had someone of like your, you know, your status asked me to do this, uh, but it's, uh, it helps help me reflect on, which I haven't done in a long time. Like, oh, I, I remember I did this. I remember I did that. So it helped me kind of see the path I took and kind of relive memories of how I got here. So I, I think it's, even if someone doesn't want to share your story i think you should you know maybe just take time and see where you've come from because we get lost in the present but you should take time to also see where we came from and see the progressions and little battles and victories you've had to where we are now depending where you are in life so it was it's very it's a very cool experience i definitely would recommend it to anyone Good. Do you have, having reflected and looked at your life, um, what do you have a top takeaway from what you kind of brought back to your memory? Yeah, that I believe in myself. Yeah, That's really it. I believe in myself. And it, it, uh, as long as I am a good person and I, I do well and I work hard, I think the uh, stars will align for you. Um, you know, Everyone has a different timeline, but I, I think if you just you know believe in yourself, then then work hard. You have to execute. You have to take action. It's not just gonna be handed to you, but you will have your day one day where you wake up and you're like, man, I've done lots. So that would be the only thing. Keep believing in yourself. Jason, I believe in you, and uh, so I think a lot of listeners do too. And your work ethic. Your caring, uh, your groundedness, and uh, just really desire to learn and be better. 
Um, but at the same time, always remembering where you've come from is really remarkable. So you have inspired me, my friend. I'm very, very grateful that you've uh, joined us. I want to say you're a big part of the solution in our world and uh, generosity and your make it happen is um, a great tribute, especially for folks who have come from different lands to this great America. You're helping us all be safe, seen and heard and our true and very, very best selves. So I'm here for you anyway, in a little way I might be helpful, my friend. And I know our paths will cross very soon. You take good care. Good. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, folks, this is just like the best. Let me share my thought for the week, which is a quote from Jason's uncle that keeps Jason alive and motivated. And that is be a creature of progression. And I'd like to add my gratitude to all the behind the scenes rock stars who make this Say It Skillfully show possible. The awesome crew at Voice America, the persevering Eric Patton, who's a driving force for the whole Say It Skillfully website and social media program. And that is a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Jason's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 